Good morning. The uh, Eric, where are you, Eric? Eric, Eric, Eric. Is he still in here? There you are. Eric. I see you now. Eric's going to make an announcement. You come on up here, Eric. We'll be ready for you. Just a reminder that uh, prayer cards now, if you have a prayer request, if you raise your hand, the usher will give you a prayer card. I want to thank everyone who had uh, a hand in Relay for Life. It was uh, really cold <laughs> out there, but we seem to have a pretty good turnout. One announcement um, that I need to remind you about is next Sunday... There you go. You want to give the announcements? Come on. <laughs> Next Sunday, we have, um, if you have any interest at all, or will have any interest, or know anybody who has any interest, at 4.30 next Sunday, the McQuaids are going to do a preview of the Holy Land trip in the social hall. And if you are, if you have any thoughts at all, you might want to go. You need to come to that, and that he, he'll answer all the questions about it and everything. And uh, it's really odd. We're filling up, but with mostly people from either my churches, previous churches, or his churches. And we really hope we'd give some people from Memorial. And we haven't had that really as many people from Memorial as I thought so far. But maybe you just need to have some questions answered. So next Sunday at 4:30. In the social hall is a preview for the Holy Land trip. And now Eric's got something to tell you about the barbecue that was so good Saturday. Good morning. Just wanted to let everyone know uh, who helped or attended yesterday. Thank you. Um, we continue to have a, a pretty good turnout every year, and we appreciate your support. Um, it was our forethought to cook double of what we did uh, last year, and we did that. And so with that being said, we uh, have a lot of barbecue to sell today, so I hope you're ready to eat barbecue for several weeks. Um, we're selling at $10 per pound, and we still have uh, some of the Calabash recipe uh, slaw left over as well, and we're selling that $3 a pint. Uh, all, all profits will be going towards our building fund, and we hope to make, make a small donation to uh, the Greer Soup Kitchen as well. So me and uh, Stephen will be set up in the back after the service, so please come back and, and get some barbecue and slaw. Thank you. As soon as I find Andy, we can sing. Y'all can go ahead and stand, though. Let's stand. <laughs> Everybody falls sometimes You gotta have the strength to rise from the ashes And make a new beginning Anyone can feel the ache You think it's more than you can take But you are stronger, stronger than you know Well don't you give up now the sun will soon be shining. You gotta face the cloud to find a silver lining.
thank you for this glorious day, Lord, and we even thank you for the rain. We thank you for just the, the cleansing experience of the rain, Lord, just to wash away not only all of the pollen, but just everything else that's just hindering us in our lives. But we thank you just to be able to break free from that. Lord, we love you, and we know that you are with us no matter what, even through any of the obstacles that we are facing and even through the rain. We thank you so much for being just an ever-present in our life. Amen. At the stars in the night, I wonder At your lightning in the sky, I shudder Your glory is a blanket that covers every living thing In all of the majesty of who you are Your love is a seal burnt inside my heart All of the day I want to be where you are Holy Father And it feels like there's not Grace inside of me With all these words All my heart can sing Is holy You are holy Jesus Christ You let your love lay down your 
as a seal burned inside my heart All of the day I want to be where you are Holy Father And it feels like there's not enough praise inside of me Tell them good morning. And children, come to the carpet. ever been lost before not one time have you Natalie were you lost one time um, with, Lauren. with Lauren what happened um, me and Lauren were doing something and then our mom was in an 
aisle at the store and um, we didn't know where she went so we had to go find her. <laughs> oh my goodness, how did you guys feel? Were you scared? No. No? Were you having fun? Oh, okay, there we go. All right, well being lost at times cannot be the best feeling. Now when my family takes road trips to go on holiday, we get lost a lot. And we need to use our GPS. Do you know what a GPS is? Yeah. What, oh see, you guys are ahead of me with your technology. It's like a map, like what Dora has, a talking map. And it gets us from one place to another, right? All right. Now, do we have a map to get, map to get us through life? Yes. What's our map to get us through life? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. We um, have to make decisions and try to go the right way. And sometimes we do that by just the way it makes us feel. Like, I love to eat desserts. Now, is it always good for me? No, but I do it because it makes me feel good. But that's not something I want to do all the time. And sometimes we do things because other people are doing it. Has there ever been a time that your friend is doing something and you go to your parents and go, well, well, Lauren's mommy lets her do it. Why can't I? Have you ever done that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a... We need someone to guide us in the right direction and make strong choices, don't we? Well, we have our own personal map that God sent to us, and that is Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And where do we want to go on our map in life? Heaven. Heaven, that's right. And do we know that way to get there? Yes, through who? Through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, help us each day as we journey through life to follow Jesus because we know he is the way and the only way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh God, you are our refuge, you are our rock, and you have saved us by your steadfast love. And we come before you this day and we sing our thanksgiving. You've given birth to your church. You've set Jesus Christ as a chief cornerstone. You've called us to be a holy nation. And yet we must confess that we do not act like we are holy. And sometimes we just take pride in knowing that you love us and we scorn all those who do not yet believe. And we do not freely make intercession for others. 
And where we have chosen darkness over the light, where we've denied it, we are your people. Forgive us and free us for joyful service. And may your Holy Spirit give us the courage to proclaim your holy name before the world. Knowing that you redeem us all, Lord, we commend to you this day those who need your rescue from the salts of illness and injury upon their bodies, their souls, and their spirits. We pray that you deliver them from the hands of their enemies and let your face shine upon them. And we especially pray this day for a friend who lost his brother-in-law in a, an accident yesterday. We pray for his wife and his three children. We give you thanks for Rick's successful surgery and pray for a good recovery. We pray for a young man in Florida who's battling kidney failure. We pray for a friend who is battling cancer. Oh Lord, we pray and lift these up along with those who have been written on our prayer list and anyone that we will name now in our hearts before you. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture today that I'm going to use is from Romans chapter 12. And I just want to stop with a few verses instead of all of them that I had listed. Give attention to this reading from God's Word. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for you, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Amen. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for many things this day. Especially we thank you for uh, confirmation and all that that means in the lives of young people as they move through the church. And we pray your blessings upon those who are being confirmed this day at our 11 o'clock service and their parents and friends and family. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Today is Confirmation Sunday in the 11 o'clock service. And uh, there's eight young people in our church that will be confirmed. And I thought what I was going to say to them was pretty important. And I thought it might be something you needed to hear too. Confirmation. Confirmation is something that you do with your heart and your head. But you also do it with your feet. 
because in a few minutes uh, from now I'm going to call up those young people to come front of the church over in the sanctuary and they're going to come up and use their feet to get there. And when they come up front, some other feats are going to follow, foots. <laughs> their parents, their sponsors will be there behind them, alongside them. You know, every time something big happens in a person's life, if you think about it, usually there's a member of your family or a friend there beside you or behind you. And years ago, all of you who have children, whether they've made it to confirmation age yet or not, all of you who have children here know that you stood up and you pledged that those children would be part of the church. You pledged that you'd introduce them to Jesus Christ. And for better or for worse, that is what happens when they finally come to age of confirmation and make a profession of faith for themselves. And of course, once they do that, once that happens, and all you who are waiting for yours to get to that age, or some of you who have already gotten through that, you know that it makes you proud. It makes you proud, but it also makes you a little bit nervous. Parents always get a little bit nervous when their kids begin to do things on their own. Because once a child is old enough to do something on their own, uh, they're also old enough to make a few decisions. And we worry and wonder about those decisions. We're not quite sure how they're going to do. We also worry, as parents, about who they're going to follow. And so most of us parents say things like, uh, just like what Michelle said, I don't care what everyone else is doing. You're not everyone else. Now, my father used to take that one step further. He would always say something like this. If everyone got in a line and jumped off of a cliff, would you jump off the cliff too? Y'all ever heard anything like that said? I never told him I thought that was kind of a silly question. But the thing is, I used to think every time he said that, if the cliff wasn't too high, I probably would jump off of it. <laughs> But my father had a point. I was supposed to be different. I was to remember that. I was to remember who I was. I also knew, and he also knew, that I had a need to belong. And he was trying to get me to think about what it meant to belong and to belong on my own terms, not on somebody else's terms. A really interesting story is told by one of our retired bishops who grew up in Greenville area. And he said that when he was growing up, his mother was also very concerned about whether or not he would bend too far to belong. And when he became a teenager, and especially when he began to date and we began to drive the car, uh, every time he'd walk out the door, and he would, he says it didn't matter which door he walked out, she would be uh, hollering after him, remember who you are. Now what does that mean? You know, it's not like he was going to forget his name. His name, I'm sure he could not forget, because if his mom was like my mom, his name was written in his clothes. Any of y'all have your name written in your clothes when you was a kid? And it wasn't like he was about to forget something like the keys. He was going on a date in the car. It was not like he was going to forget the rule to be home by 11 o'clock 
what she was saying to him and what every parent is saying when they say that is don't forget who you are. Now I imagine on at least one occasion, occasion he probably wished it, that he could forget who he was or he could forget, or she might forget to remind him. Uh, but she never forgot, and consequently he never did forget who he was. And see, here's the thing, all of you, whether you're young and not confirmed yet, whether you're confirmed or whether you're old, every time you walk out your door, you carry with you several things. You carry a family name, a family history, you carry a family hope, you carry a whole laundry list of family values. And there's one other thing that you carry with you if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You carry with you that fact that you are a disciple of the Lord Christ. In a few moments, I'm going to call those young people up in front of me in the sanctuary. And I'm going to call their names out, their whole names, their official three names, just like they were called out when they were baptized. And I'm going to say, when I place my hands on their head, the Lord defend you with His heavenly grace, and by His Spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. That was what was said, in case y'all forgot, those of you who went through confirmation. Now what does that mean? That means that you, that they, belong to Christ. And that means that they and you are different from people who don't belong to Christ. That means that they are never going to be able to wear a uniform of the world without realizing that underneath it is their relationship to Jesus Christ. Which means that there will be times when they will not fit in with others. There's times you don't fit in with others. The Apostle Paul just reminded us not to model our behavior on this contemporary world. But for us to discern what is God's will. What is good and acceptable and correct. Now, that makes us different. Now, in your grandparents' day, kids who followed Jesus Christ were expected to be really different. They didn't play cards. They didn't go to the movies. They didn't go dancing. They didn't wear makeup. And they certainly didn't do any of those things on Sunday. Fortunately, for most of us, by the time I came along, I danced, I went to movies, and I played poker on Sunday afternoons at my grandfather's house. Okay? Things do change. But we still remembered who we were. What the church decides is important for you to do has changed. What's important is you to live your faith now in the world everywhere you are. What I'm suggesting to you is this, that every turn in your life, it's not about whether or not you danced or not. It's about whether or not, as a follower of Jesus Christ, does that have anything to say to you when you make a decision? Does it have anything to say to you at every turn in your life? I believe that it does. 
I think it does have something to say when you're faced with any decision. And if you believe that, then there's some things that will happen to you as you continue to live your faith. One thing is you're going to find yourself doing some lowly work sometimes. And lowly work can take lots of different uh, aspects of life. Because you have to remember that Jesus did some lowly work. If you remember on the night before he died, he washed the disciples' feet. That was lowly work. Dirty work, smelly work. But he went from friend to friend with a basin and a towel, and he said, love does things like this, which it does. Love sometimes stoops down in order to do the simplest things for the neediest people. For example, someone who gives up their vacation to change bandages in a mission hospital. If you follow Jesus Christ, you'll never be able to look at somebody else's need and say, I don't care. It's not my problem. You won't be able to say that. Oh, you might say it, but you won't feel too good about it afterwards when you feel the guilt. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means to look out for everyone. It also means to find Jesus in the presence of other people, even those you don't agree with, even those maybe that you do not want to be friendly with. In preparation for this sermon, I ran across a story. And a lady's name was Gert. I guess it's probably short for Gertrude. Gert. And she had had a heck of a life. Not life that most of us have had. A rough life. But when she turned 50, she met Jesus Christ. And she decided to give her life over to the Lord. And then she began to tell her story to whoever would listen. Now she didn't like to fly in airplanes, so she drove from place to place. That meant she spent a lot of time in her car. That also meant she spent a lot of time in gas stations and gas station restrooms. And she writes in her story, they were so gross, and I won't tell you the rest that she described. Most of us know how gross public restrooms can be. It got so bad that she decided to complain to the Lord. After all, she was on the Lord's uh, business now, testifying and witnessing to her faith, faith. And so she told the Lord about the terrible inconvenience that was associated with driving around the country on, her, on his behalf. And then one day when she was in one of these nasty bathrooms, she heard Jesus say to her, Gert, whatever you do for the least of my people, you do for me. And then she said, Lord, you mean you use these restrooms too? And that's when she realized that the Lord might be the next person that come in after her. And so she figured she'd stop complaining and start doing something. And she writes, and I'm going to quote, Now when I go into a messy restroom, I pick up all the towels and stuff from into the wastebasket. And stuff them into the wastebasket. Then I take another paper towel and I wipe off the sink, the mirror, and the toilet seat. And after leaving it as clean as possible, I say, Here it is, Lord. 
I hope you enjoy it. Lowly work. Now don't miss the point. The point is not to go home and clean your bathroom even though you might need to go home and clean your bathroom. The point is that followers of Jesus Christ are going to find Him and serve Him in some strange places, in messy places, while looking after some of the world's messiest people. It's not always pretty. But once you're a Christian, you can't turn back. The second thing is in addition to doing some lowly work, Jesus Christ is going to ask you to make some hard choices. Six months after I was confirmed, in the beginning of my eighth year in school, something incredibly significant happened in my community and in my life. My school was about to change the actual physical location that I'd always thought I would go to was going to change because of the movement of black students into our school because of mandated integration. Everybody was afraid of the change. We were all wondering if, all of us who played football were wondering if we were going to, have to keep our positions or not. There's a lot of anxiety. I remember our parents sitting us down and telling us that this was going to come, but unlike some parents, we were going to go to school and continue to go to those schools. We were told that we were to accept all those new students because they were just like us on the inside. They had the same spirit. And the Lord loved them just as much as He loved us. Everybody was afraid of this change. Everybody was angry. People are often angry when they become afraid. But the thing is, all those students we came to find out were just as afraid as we were. They were just as concerned. They were just as apprehensive. One night after this had occurred, we had to be had to be bused. It's funny, it's interesting. The white students were bused to the old black school, and we had to be bused. And some black students had to be bused to the white school. And we lived in a, such a way where we walked back and forth to school. I know you've heard that story, right? We walked uphill and rain and snow and five miles and that went like that. But we did have to walk back and forth to school. And then we caught the bus, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> but some of my friends one day said, we're going to hide in the bushes. And we're going to lob water balloons as those black students get off the bus. Now, the idea of being my friend sounded pretty cool. The idea of being part of the action sounded exciting. But somehow I knew that I couldn't throw water balloons at those other kids. And I didn't go. I wish that I could tell you that I told some adult so that that wouldn't happen. But I didn't. I wish I could tell you 
that I stood up to those friends of mine and, and witnessed to my faith in Jesus Christ and told them that was the reason that I couldn't go. But I didn't tell them that. I wasn't able to then. A couple years later, I could have told them that. But at that time, I just made up some excuse. But in my heart, I knew that the reason I could not go had something to do with that confirmation. It had something to do with what I had said there, what I had promised there, who I had said yes to there. And it was important that I realize and continue to realize that I had to be different. And even though I wanted to belong, I couldn't always belong because it wasn't right. So I say to you, and I will say to those confirmands at 11 o'clock, at every critical turn in your life, you have got to ask yourself, who am I? Who do I follow? Who do I trust? Has, does being a disciple of Christ say anything to me here in this situation? My friends, I believe that it does. I think it does in every situation that you face, whether within your family, whether within school, or whether within your job. Does the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ have anything to say to me here and now at this moment? I think it does. I think it should. And I hope when you leave the close of this service today, you'll remember who you are and you'll ask that question every decision that you face. Amen. <clears throat> Let us stand and affirm our faith as a response to words of the Lord. <clears throat> we are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life in death and life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers receive our offerings. Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing. Am I alive? I will keep searching for answers that aren't here to find.
this is not where I Not sure what that is, but this, this song actually has been planned for this day since the beginning of May, so it's quite fitting. Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty. Is the Lord God Almighty. And everybody's singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, Holy, Holy. Is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may it be yours this day and each day. Amen. Have a great week.